0: Well, hello out there to anyone listening. This is Onion Ring Sasquatch ORS. The movies coming at you once again. The movie review podcast where messing up the sound is not just a habit, it's a way of life. If you're listening to us, you can check out video versions of our reviews on YouTube, Rumble, or Odyssey. And if you're watching the video, you can get the audio versions at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Podcast Attic. Just search ORS at the Movies. If you want to tell us how much we suck, drop us a line at ORS at the Movies at gmail.com. This is your host, your boy, G Money Clip. And with me today, as always, is Thornton Mellon, Jr. Junior. Junior? Thornton Mellon couldn't be bothered. He's dragging his feet, so I kidnapped one of his kids. Say hello. Hello. We're going to talk about what he wants to talk about, which is... The Transformers, the movie. From 1986, going back old school. Maybe we'll call this a bonus episode, The Boomer and the Zoomer. (laughs) So we'll see how this turns out at the end. Pretty poorly. It might. You never can tell, because we don't know what we're doing. So kind of getting into it a little bit here, going way back into the day, The Transformers was a Japanese toy line that was imported to the U.S. by Hasbro, sold under the name of the Transformers. It was called something different in Japan. Diaclone. They had a couple different lines that they took toys from, gave them to Hasbro to market and release, and they chose the name Transformers. Wildly popular in the 80s. The Transformers story tells of two warring factions of giant alien robots, the heroic Autobots and the villainous Decepticons, who crash-landed on Earth millions of years ago and have been revived in the present, continuing their war on modern-day Earth. Starting about 1984, they had the big toy line, they had a TV show that was syndicated, so if you were a lucky kid and had cable, you could catch it both before and after school, which is pretty sweet, as you'd see a couple different episodes a day if you planned it out right. They had the comic running, they had all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they had comic books through Marvel, and the toys were cool because they were like you had a toy car, but also a toy robot, or other vehicle, depending on which ones you had. Yeah, how cool was that? Going off of the years, they kind of switched from more Earth-based vehicles to, like, more space stuff. Yeah, but the ones at the beginning were fancy sports cars and trucks and all kinds of crazy things that you had wildly popular. It was a big time for Hasbro. Hasbro had already had G.I. Joe come out a couple years before when they relaunched the line as little action figures and not dolls. Those came out about 1982. Transformers came out in 1984. They both had tie-ins with Marvel Comics. They both had syndicated cartoon shows. They were flying high. After a couple years of massive success, Hasbro decided it'd be a good idea to revamp the line. How do you revamp the line? By killing off one of the most popular characters and introducing a bunch of new ones. The way you do that is you make a big movie. You spend a few million bucks, you put it up on the big screen. Instead of putting it on TV for free, you make people go into the theater and pay for it. And then play it on TV for free only a couple months later. Well, the movie format allowed for a darker storyline that they didn't think they were going to be able to get away with on TV, in which characters could be killed off, which never happened. In the TV show. If somebody got shot, they usually got patched up immediately and by the end of the episode they were fine. And you could get more prominent voice actors. You get a lot of big name stars. Uh, the movie's made for a budget of about five to six million dollars, depending on who you talk to. Uh, it was originally supposed to come out after the G.I. Joe movie. Hasbro was so hot at the time, 86 was going to be a year that they put out tons of movies for their properties. They had the My Little Pony movie, which opened in June of 86. G.I. Joe was supposed to come out next, but that got delayed in production. So Transformers comes out instead in August, about five weeks before the new series on television, the third season, which would start in September. And the budget was about six times more than a 90-minute television episode. So it's going to be bigger, it's going to be louder, and people will die. And it's going to be a commercial failure. So does that make it better? Let's find out. So we kick off the movie... Right away, we see that this is being distributed by the De Laurentiis Entertainment Group, and they also put out My Little Pony, the movie. But then there's other movies they did, like Manhunter, Blue Velvet, Evil Dead 2. They've got a wide range of movies that they're putting out around the same time. And then we see the Marvel Productions logo. Makes it our first Marvel movie. I mean, I, I don't think that's generally what would be considered a Marvel movie, but I suppose you're not It's not, not wrong. part of the MCU? This isn't like the very, very, very beginning? Well, no, I'm, I'm not saying it has to be an MCU movie. I'm saying <laughs> it's not really a Marvel movie. Cons- but it says Marvel Productions. Well, it does, but it's not a Marvel character. It's, it's not like the old 70s Hulk or whatever. <laughs> Alright, so we kick off, and the animation from the start seems like it's a little more polished and fancy than the TV show. You get darker shading, Unicron goes flying by, and it looks... Opening sequence in particular looks very anime as he goes by. There's a lot more detail than you would see on TV. Well, the animation studio that did the movie tohei actually is primarily an anime company. Well, that would make sense then. They do uh, all kinds of shows. What are some other shows they do? I'd have to look, but I do know they do mostly anime. I don't watch a lot. So we see a mechanical orb going through space and then cut to a planet where robots run around in what appears to be a shopping mall. It's definitely not Cybertron. They're on an escalator, we got male and female robots, and little kids robots running around. They gotta reproduce somehow. Somebody explain to me how this works, (laughs) because I don't imagine they actually procreate like humans. Do they go and order, like, little kid robots, and then every couple years take them back in and have them get built a little bit bigger each time? This isn't 2005's Robot, that's an entirely different movie. The gotcha. was kind of meh. Yeah, I, I don't understand how you have little kid robots, and I don't understand why you need male and female robots, because biologically, shouldn't happen. <laughs> I mean, for the longest time on the TV show, they kind of abstained from having female characters because they didn't want to have to deal with that problem. But then in season two, they were like, okay, well, here's this rogue band of female Transformers on Cybertron fighting the Decepticons, and it said, well, where did they come from? Why have we not been shown them this entire time? And why are there no others? And so then that movie introduces more. So we see the lab of Scientist Robot. It starts shaking violently. And he announces the arrival of Unicron. And there's actually a layering issue as Unicron approaches. He comes over a spire, and so he looks much smaller than he should be. He also sounds like a variant of the Kung Flu. So coming up next in the spring, we'll probably have the Unicron variant. Look! It's Unicron! It's Unicron! So Kranix and everyone, they're all freaking out. Oh my god, Unicron's here. He's going to destroy the planet. Get to the ships, we gotta get away. And so everyone's scrambling to get away. They're getting in their ships and everything. And everyone's flying off, but most people are getting sucked back into Unicron's pole. He's got a tractor beam that starts sucking everything up like it's space balls. People are trying to run away from it and getting pulled in. And he's got these big hooks that dig into the planet. He's He's got giant pincers. Starts eating it. And there's this incredibly stupid munching sound effect that plays while he's eating. It also appears that when he devours this planet, it energizes him because now all of a sudden he lights up and his outer ring is glowing as it leads us into the opening credits. And there's one ship that gets away. One guy. I saw the one ship fly away and get pulled back in, but apparently we will run into Kranix later. Yeah, because there was two ships in that shot that fly away. One goes past and one gets sucked back. See, I missed that. So now we're going into the opening credits. And they've Wayne's Worlded the theme song. Yeah, the glam rock cover by Lion. They've done the, uh, the corporate rock. It's a movie. It's got to be big. It's kind of like the big theme from Strange Brew or the way that uh, Noah's arcade has corporatized the Wayne's World. Good day. Oh, do do our new movie theme, eh? Yeah, okay. Give me a day. Okay. Wayne's World! It's bigger, it's louder. Is it better? Transformers! More <laughs> the Transformers! For the Transformers! Party on, Garth. I guess. We get Superman-style credits with the names of all the stars yeah. that are not going to be back for the TV show. <laughs> Yeah, they up. rushing in. They tried to find people who sound similar enough, but are incredibly also dissimilar at the same time. Yeah, we got Mr. Spock, Orson Welles. His final movie is it, the voice of Unicron. It's an incredibly great monumental career, capped off with of a toy commercial. But it wasn't the worst commercials he's done, so yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's okay. Ah, the French champagne. Could I have just one more take of that? Sir? Why? I just did it right. It's not Transformers the movie, it's The Transformers the movie because it's based off an existing series called The Transformers, which a lot of times gets left out when like this movie is re-released. It's often just called Transformers the movie, which is not. But that would be a better name for or maybe The Transformers movie. I don't know that why is you need true. The Transformers the movie. It could be The Transformers movie, but I feel like The Transformers the it movie seems like just the sounds name's a little awkward. Well, yeah. Now one thing I noticed that kind of ticked me off a little bit we get all these credits coming in for all the people. We don't get a credit for Peter Cullen,
1: Frank, Frank Welker. Welker,
0: or Christopher Collins, who are like the three mainstays of the show, who are doing all the grunt work. Incredibly and, important people to this, yeah. and then they're not credited in the opening credits. Yeah, you're not going to credit the voice of Megatron, Optimus Prime, Starscream. You're not going to give these guys a little love. It's a it's a big movie. Well, hey, they're in the end credits. You know, that's Everybody's in the end credits, but I mean, you could not have everybody. them like, at the end of... Oh, who got left out? I don't know. I'm just... I'm just joking. Oh. They better be in the end credits. Somebody's gonna get sued. I would hope so. So the voiceover tells us that we are in the far-off year of 2005. Unfortunately, it's about as far back to 2005 as it was from 1986 to 2005 when the movie came out. It says that the Decepticons have conquered Cybertron, but the Autobots plan to strike back from a secret base. A secret base with windows big enough for them to get spied on effortlessly. They're on Cybertron's moons, and that's where they're staging everything. But on the show, however many times we've seen Cybertron, it never has moons. Well, it's got moons now, okay? That's just the way it is. So you've got Laserbeak up there spying on him. It's like, wouldn't it be easier to just leave a camera up there? Because it's not like they notice him. They certainly wouldn't notice a much smaller camera. His camera angles when he's doing that are just impossible. There's no way, like... When Soundwave's playing back the footage, and it shows the one right next to Ironhide's face, Optimus Prime is looking down at him. He would see Laserbeak. His, his <laughs> camera angles just are impossible. Ah, oh, the whole movie's flawed. Also, if Energon is such an issue for the Autobots at this point, why are they running massive bases on two of Cybertron's moons, and then also having to supply Autobot City? That's a good question. They make the plan to launch a shuttle to Earth to get Energon cubes, And then Laserbeak flies back and plays the replay of what we just saw 30 seconds ago. But it has some added narration from Megatron. But we just saw this. Did they think we forgot already? Well, they they just want to reiterate so you remember. Definitely want to be sure. All right, definitely. We know they're definitely launching a shuttle to Earth. So, the Decepticons ambush the shuttle. And they start killing Autobots. For real this time. I'm a man of my word. (laughs) They're all actually dying here. As instruments of destruction by energy starts playing. When they bust into the shuttle, though, space is a vacuum? Why were they not sucked out? Correction, sir. That's blown out. Because the laws of physics don't affect Transformers, as will be covered many, many, many times going forward. (laughs) Another thing, Braun is the first person to die. He gets shot in the shoulder once, and that's it. Even though Braun is, throughout the series, one of the toughest... Big Macho Man characters. Well, it looks like when he falls down, it looks like the shot went through his chest. It's almost as if it moved. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Prowl, specifically, his horrifying. His eyes turn orange. There's smoke pouring out of his mouth. Uh-huh. It's, it's horrifying. The Decepticons come in and just start murdering Autobots, which never, ever, ever happened on the TV show. The Autobots shoot back like blind stormtroopers, and yeah. the Decepticons, who usually never hit anything, are just gunning these guys down. Crowl and Ratchet and everyone, uh, Ironhide, some big names from the show, out just like that. But hey, if you got to go out, it's a pretty rocking song to go out to. It is. It's the Um, the soundtrack of people's murdered childhood from the 80s. Megatron's awesome, such heroic nonsense. He's gunning down Ironhide as he's just trying to claw at him. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. It's pretty cruel. They definitely made an impact. Apparently kids were crying in the theater and people had to get up and leave because the kids were so upset when they were seeing Autobots get gunned down. I've heard more stories of that happening with Optimus Prime later. Yeah, I never saw this in theaters as a kid. Every now and then it would seem to pop up or maybe my brother would rent it or something like that. I had never really sat down and watched it from beginning to end until a few days ago. What? Really? Yeah. No, I was, I mean, I'd seen bits and pieces of it. I kind of knew about it. But I was starting to age out of Transformers at the time. It came out the summer, I turned 11. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. had been a thing for a couple of years, and I didn't really like the new designs, because they were all spacey and yeah, weird. and Especially getting near the end of the series. They're all really blocky, and just the colors don't mix well. It just doesn't look very good. Alright, so there's murder aboard the Autobot shuttle. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Hot Rod fishes with Spike's son. Now, Spike was the kid in the TV show, and now he's the dad. And, crap, what's the kid's name? Daniel. Daniel, there we go. Hot Rod is fishing with Daniel. Where did Hot Rod get a giant fishing pole? And why would he have a giant fishing pole? To spend time with Daniel. And what would he expect to catch with it? If the hook is proportional to the fishing pole, it would be like trying to catch a fish with an anchor off a battleship. Well, (laughs) I think the fishing rod itself is big so that Hot Rod can use it. But I would think the hook is like normal size to catch a fish. But it would be minuscule. He wouldn't be able to do anything with it. Well, he pulls the line, he he pulls it, the hey, line it, and he catches it, the fish. He pulls the line and he seems it's to it's have a, a normal rubber. size fish on it. And it's like, oh wait, none of that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the scale, no pun intended, is all weird. They're talking. Daniel's sad because Spike is up on the moon base with Jazz. Or no, he's on the moon base with Bumblebee. You know, he's sad. He wants to see his dad. And he gets a little thing on a device and it says, oh, hey, the shuttle's landing. We should go watch it. And so they get up, and they're running to go see the shuttle, and they leave their fishing poles. That upsets me. If that's the worst thing that happens to them today, then, you know, they're getting away lucky. It's, it's certainly not, but <laughs> I, it bothers me that they leave the fishing poles there. So yes, we go into another song, and this is kind of turning into a series of music videos already. The kids got a Marty McFly hoverboard in 2005. Hey, man, he's hanging out with giant robots. You, um, I think they could hook him up. We don't even have those in 2022. So mad about that. So, yes, they go racing along to go watch the shuttle so land. Daniel crashes, breaks the hoverboard, and Hot Rod catches him. But Hot Rod is running and kind of moves forward to catch him. But he's made of metal. Daniel has broken bones after that. <laughs> There's no way that doesn't hurt him a cartoon. Didn't Roger Rabbit teach you that you can do anything to a cartoon? Oh, of course. <laughs> Hot Rod crashes through a work zone. Wait. Hot Rod is kind of a dick. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's wanting destruction of property. The Decepticons start attacking the city and chaos ensues. Uh, we are very quickly introduced to a lot of new characters, and kids might have gotten lost if they weren't aware of the new toys. Yeah, it's um, like all of a sudden we're running into Ultra Magnus and Cup and Hot Rod and RC and Blur and I'm probably forgetting a couple, but yeah, there's a whole lot of new people that they wouldn't have seen before. Springer is uh, one, uh-huh. but Perceptor is there. Another he one. sees all the he sees all the Decepticons incoming, and he's talking to Ultra Magnus, and he spouts a bunch of whatever. And Ultra Magnus, who is the city commander, you would think he'd be smart, has no idea what Perceptor just said, and then Springer who is also kind of a meathead, explains to Ultramagnus what Perceptor said. How is the city commander not going to know, but the random warrior is? Well, there are a couple problems with Ultramagnus. He's kind of stupid, for one. (laughs) So, yes, we get to see RC, who is the first girl Transformer in the main cast. She Um. never got a toy. I guess Hasbro was toying with the idea... No pun intended, of selling Transformers to girls, too. Yeah, like, there's concept art of a RC Transformer, but it doesn't look very good, so I mean, I'm kind of happy they didn't go through with it. Unicron also got a prototype, but that didn't go well, so. So they turn the city, they transform it into a fortress, bristling with cannons. That was later retconned into Metroplex. Yeah, they certainly are not shy about killing characters off in this movie. I think you see them just dump a couple bodies. You see Wheeljack laying there dead and somebody else. Yeah, Wheeljack, he's a major character. He gets a one-second shot of his (laughs) dead body right, like, in the corner. You can barely see his face. Yeah, they just dump somebody else next to him. It's like, oh, there he is. Oh, yep, they're dead. They send a message to Optimus Prime about the attack. Ratbat is introduced there when Soundwave sends his minicons to attack Blaster, sending the message. And then that's also where the Autobot minicons were introduced for the first time. And then there's a strange fade to black. Yeah. It's almost like they were, like, here, we'll fade out and put a commercial in here. Yeah, it's almost as if they were animating for a cartoon. Well, no, it's just, I don't know why they didn't just transition to the next shot. You don't have to do all the, the fade out. It's just a weird one. So when the film fades back in, the fighting is still going on. So it definitely seems like a commercial break. Like they couldn't have just cut to this. And it looks like the Decepticons brought everybody So, why didn't they launch this attack sooner? As easy as it's been for them to kill Autobots, it seems like they could have just done this very easily a lot earlier. New guys are fine, though. They don't get a scratch. Oh, well, of (laughs) course. Uh, The battle appears to last an entire day before Autobot enforcements arrive. Megatron yells, Their defenses are broken. Let the slaughter begin. I'm pretty sure that happened when you guys first showed up. Yeah, he's been slaughtering for a while now. But then Optimus Prime shows up, sees all the fighting. Megatron must be stopped, no matter the cost. Yes. And so he rolls up, and he absolutely just is awesome here. He kicks so much ass. He makes the other Autobots look like bitches, because he has no problem just going through and shooting everybody. They're playing the Touch, which of course was made famous by Dirk Diggler back in 1983 before Stan Bush made his version of it. Dirk's would have been more famous, but the bass really took away from the vocals. It's definitely taken away from my vocals. So it didn't quite catch on. Hello, exactly! Optimus Prime has no problem just going through and blowing people away, and is single-handedly wiping out the Decepticons. We get the line of the movie. One shall stand, one shall fall. That's pretty cool. He gets one super awesome big final battle with Megatron. Yeah, instead of shooting him like he shot everybody else, they decide to fight like men. At one point, Megatron throws this big shard of metal at him, and it sticks in his side, and then right after... Megatron shoots at him and he dodges it. How does Optimus Prime get hit by a big chunk of metal but not a laser? For reasons. Suddenly, Megatron pulls out a friggin' lightsaber. Where did he get a lightsaber? I had the Megatron toy. He didn't have a lightsaber. He didn't have any kind of sword. He was a gun. Actually, that's not true. When Hasbro imported Transformers, there were three different versions of the Megatron gun robo there was a gray one, a black one, and the silver one. The silver one came with stock scope and silencer. The gray one, which was used in Japan, not the silver one, did come with a sword. Okay, but I had it here in this country, and it didn't have a sword. I'm just saying, he he does have swords. That seems like cheating, but he's the bad guy, so I suppose we can forgive him for cheating. Yeah. Because that's kind of what he does. So, Optimus Prime has Megatron down, but he doesn't shoot him. Instead, Hot Rod gets in the way, and Megatron shoots Prime several times. He fires at Optimus Prime, and we see a couple of purple blasts. And then some orange blasts hit Optimus Prime. And you know who is shown just a little while later to have orange blasts? Hot Rod. Hot Rod killed Optimus Prime. Oh, it was an inside job. He knew. He was going to get blamed if Optimus Prime lived through this. He was going to get punished. So he said, no, I'm finishing this here and now. I'm Alex Jones. And you have been warned. He shoots him several times, but Optimus Prime punches him, and suddenly Megatron is looking rough. He was looking normal. And then all of a sudden, after he gets punched, it's like, oh, now he's looking all ragged. Yeah, neither of them show any battle damage until the very end. Yeah, and he gets thrown off of a cliff, basically, and is a big mess. But instead of pressing the attack, the Decepticons retreat. They go, oh crap, one guy who wasn't really doing much got hit and got got beat up. We we gotta go. Our leader is dead, we have to retreat. Never mind that we've pretty much killed their leader, and (laughs) we were winning the battle, we have to retreat. And Cup says... Prime did it. They say Prime turned the tide, but he really didn't do much. He knocked down a couple of Decepticons, gunned down a few more. He beat up Megatron. That's really about all he did. That's not really turning the tide. He shot if you ask Soundwave. Me. Although Soundwave looks okay as he picks up Megatron and is carrying him. I don't think he did shoot Soundwave. He did shoot Soundwave. I don't think so. I can show you. I feel free. <laughs> he Dar- shot Soundwave, but then Soundwave looks okay as he's picking up Megatron's body and carting him away. Yeah, because I, I thought he was... And suddenly no one can hit anything as the Decepticons retreat, even though they're walking. Yeah. <laughs> I, Frenzy is carrying Megatron's fusion cannon. He's yeah. just waddling towards the shuttle with it. Nobody can hit him. Astrotrain blasts off, carries all the Decepticons away, and the Autobots begin to assess the damage. Which brings us to the death scene of Optimus Prime. He says that soon he'll be one with the Matrix. I know Kung Fu. Not that Matrix. They introduce a MacGuffin in the movie that no one saw that was a commercial failure that stayed throughout the rest of the series and is a big part of the franchise now. The Autobot, Matrix of Leadership, which Prime says he's going to give to Ultra Magnus. Yeah, Ultra Magnus says, hey, I'm really not the best guy for this, and Prime's like, nope, it's yours. I'm, so I'm dying, get over it. Optimus Prime's a bad judge of character, I guess. I wouldn't say he's a bad judge of character. It's just, um, once again... Ultra Magnus is kind of stupid. Prime speaks a prophecy that the Matrix will light their darkest hour before he drops it. Harrod catches it. It glows. It lights up. It illuminates the room. And nobody goes... Nobody seems to notice this, yeah. That's probably the chosen one. No one no one does that. It's just, <laughs> oh, yeah, no. It's, it's like, I <laughs> oh, no, it always does that. I picked it up the other day, and, you know, it, it's shown when I get... It just does that whenever yeah. anybody touches it. Um, I'm sure it'll be fine. And then Ultra Magnus... Takes it, he puts it in his chest cavity, takes it back out, puts it back in, closes up. I don't get that. Why does he take it back out? The whole movie's flawed. Meanwhile, back at Unicron, he has the Autobot channel. He's watching the transfer of the Matrix of Leadership. Yeah, he has Godview, somehow. He can just see anything anywhere. I, I guess, I don't know, maybe... He, he's just got this big, like, ball of TVs. He's got the bonus package with those, his cable channels. He yeah. can just flip around and watch anything. So the Decepticons are flying back. Astrotrain tells them to jettison weight, or they'll never make it to Cybertron. They're in space. There's no weight. Why? Yes. They? They're in space. <laughs> jettison some weight, or we'll never make it to Cybertron. Astrotrain, what are you talking about? There's no weight. So they start chucking out their wounded, including Megatron, which Soundwave would have stopped. By the way, he is like the most loyal guy. As you command, Megatron is basically his catchphrase. But he's like, whatever, I want to get back to Cybertron. Throw this bitch out. So then they start bickering and fighting about who should be the new leader because Starscream instantly wants to take over, which was his shtick on the show. Yeah, he was easy. He was always trying to usurp Megatron. He's a traitorous bastard. The Constructicons start to form Devastator inside of AstroTrain. Seems like a bad idea. Doesn't seem like there'd be a lot of room for that sort of thing. Yeah. I can kind of get the whole, like, TARDIS effect of AstroTrain's bigger on the inside because, you know... He's the size of a regular Transformer. You're going to be able to fit one, maybe two guys inside of him. That's what she said! <laughs> <laughs> Michael. Michael. He's carrying all the Decepticons. I can kind of get he's bigger on the inside. He shouldn't be big enough that the Constructicons can form Devastator. You wouldn't think so. But they do until they, he gets knocked down. But anyway, yeah, they're fighting, and I'm sure that's making Astrotrain real happy. The Decepticons they threw out are found by Unicron who tasks Megatron to destroy the Autobot Matrix of Leadership. It's the only thing that can stop him. The only thing. I don't know why. It seems like you could probably just blow this guy up, but no, that gets tried later. It doesn't work. He gives the Decepticons new bodies, and better yet, with new bodies, they can be new toys. Yeah. The whole purpose of the movie. He then gives them a ship. Megatron gets reformatted into Galvatron. And gets Mr. Spock's voice. That is true. Leonard Nimoy. (laughs) So then Skywarp and Bombshell. People argue which one of them truly became Cyclonus, which I think it's Skywarp. It just makes more sense for the plane to become the plane. You're such Uh, a nerd. It doesn't matter. All that matters is they got transformed into something else. There's this other guy. Unicron says Cyclonus and his armada, because originally there was going to be a bunch of Cyclonuses like Scourge has the sweeps. And then they changed it so it was just one guy. It was just Cyclonus and so the second Cyclonus from that shot disappears and is never seen again. So people theorize that that second Cyclonus' name was Armada. Huh. NERD! You've looked into this way more than I have. <laughs> when Unicron gives them their ship, Galvatron doesn't get inside. He stands on the front of it and just like a hood ornament and rides it. So on Cybertron, there's a ceremony to make Starscream, the new leader of the Decepticons, the Constructicons are playing horns, even though most of them have mouth coverings, and none of them have lungs. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> but his coronation is interrupted by Galvatron, who turns him to dust with one shot. His destructive power here is never shown again. He vaporizes Starscream in a single shot. Yeah, killing off the old line. Yeah, make way for the new line. But Starscream was still in the show after this. He he was a ghost. So Unicron attacks the Autobot moon base. He attacks Moonbase 1, and his animation, when approaching Moonbase 1, is the same one from the opening, they just darkened it a little bit. I guess the Autobots were taken by surprise, even though he's the size of a planet, or bigger than a planet, in the case of the first planet that he ate. He's supposedly the size of a small moon, but then he's bigger than a planet yeah. earlier a day. It doesn't make sense. He keeps shifting. I don't know how they missed him. Jazz and Cliff Jumper try to escape in a shuttle, but they can't get away. They get pulled into Unicron's big old tracker beam. Unicron then attacks Moonbase 2, and Bumblebee and Spike attempt to escape in a shuttle, and they get away. And they set some explosives on Moonbase 2. Because reasons. They set some explosives on Moonbase 2, try to blow them up. They're getting away in their shuttle, it blows up, and they start celebrating. They're like, oh yeah, we did it. Woo, good job. And they didn't even look to see if it worked yet, because Unicron is completely undamaged, and Spike says a no-no word. He says the S word. Hey, Cussing in cartoons in the 80s, very rare in movies. But this was PG. Almost every animated movie that came out that was aimed at kids was rated G. So Mm. a PG kids movie like The Black Cauldron or Transformers, they were pretty rare. And a lot of folks were kind of iffy on taking their kids to see PG movies. Remember, this was back in the day when Jaws was PG. Yeah. Now you got a farting snowman in a movie, and that makes Frozen PG. It's a big difference. So yeah, you can throw around a, a cuss word or two in a PG movie. That doesn't count stuff, of course, like heavy metal that were aimed at grown-ups. But it's um, animated things. So, Blaster, earlier, needed an entire communications tower in order to send a message to Optimus Prime to come help them at Autobot City. But then he's just down on the ground helping repair stuff when he gets Jazz's signal and they find out about Unicron. Like, why does he not need the communications tower anymore? It's almost like this movie's full of flaws. It's almost like we're just here to pick nits. Galvatron is shown to be Unicron's bitch. When he protests the destruction of the Cybertron moons, Unicron tortures him with a red light. He has made a deal with the devil. Unicron can just kind of torture him whenever. Anytime Unicron stops torturing him, the light turns green and then goes away. It it doesn't just fade out. It turns green and and then fades out, which I think is kind of weird. When he converted his body, he must have put something in there to have some kind of control. Back in Autobot City, they received Jazz's message about Unicron. I was a little early on that. And they're freaking out. Oh my god, this monster planet just ate two of Cybertron's moons. Daniel's freaking out that his dad was up there. And then Ultra Magnus says, maybe the Matrix can stop it. And Hot Rod goes, yeah, it can, definitely. And Cup (laughs) goes, well, what do you know about it? And Hot Rod's just, I just have this feeling. And they all just... Run with that. Part of the problem, too, is there's no real... Because you got to remember, we're meeting all these characters. This is the first time these guys have been seen. They weren't in the cartoon show up to this point. So there hasn't been any kind of character development or any sort of growth that would get Hot Rod from point A to point B. From being this butthead who's running through construction zones and just kind of doing whatever he wants and rashly rushing in to attack Megatron and then getting Optimus Prime killed... There's no growth of that to this guy who's going to become the Autobot leader. Yeah. There's no training sequence. There's no Empire Strikes Back sort of training with Yoda. Well, there is training with him because he has the little sword fighting robot later, but that's not the kind of training that he would need in order to lead yeah, the Autobots. Teach you anything about which, leadership? Uh, to be fair, his main thing in the show following the movie is, I'll never be a as good a leader as Optimus Prime. So he is having that existential. I'm not good at this throughout the show. Which is fine, because you have time to do that through several episodes of a television show, but trying to cover that in a movie that's an hour and 25 minutes... Yeah, it it just doesn't go very well. So the Decepticons attack Earth again. Yeah, they, they show up at Autobot City going, hey, I thought that Matrix thing was destroyed. It's not. I gotta come back and do it. Galvatron and Ultra Magnus are having, like, a full conversation during this, and Galvatron is inside Cyclonus flying around in a ship and Ultra Magnus is just on the ground, and they're you he can hear them f- just fine though. Yeah, they're they're back, <laughs> and forth. like they have Avengers headpieces or whatever. I guess. So the Autobots are trying to escape, and there's a funny little moment where Grimlock asks Cup to tell him about the Petro rabbits again, <laughs> which is absolutely a nod to John Steinbeck that I would not have expected. Tell me about the rabbits, in a, George. Yeah, I would not have expected this in a Transformers movie for them to reference of mice and men. Yeah. So that was a fun little surprise. So escape. The song playing in this scene was plagiarized for the opening of the Commodore 64 game, Turrican. Oh, nice. That's just a fun little fact. Yep, Um, it's another music video sequence. Hot Rod and RC are established as kind of, you know, romantic interests throughout the movie, especially in this scene. But then in the show, the romantic interest is established as being between RC and Springer. Well, you know, the big leader guy, he can't be bothered with girls. They have cooties. Of course. So the Autobots escape Earth in two ships. Hot Rod and Cup's ship is damaged and crashes on a planet. Ultra Magnus' ship separates. He can't deal with Hot Rod and Cup dying right now, you know? Yeah. Because Cup and Hot Rod just bought it. I can't deal with that now. Yeah. It's great. So he does a saucer separation like the Enterprise and uh, tricks the Decepticons into thinking that they've been destroyed. But Unicron knows better. So once again, he tortures Galvatron when he tries to say, hey, I blew him up. He goes, Nope. And here's the red light. And he... Unicron can't just talk to him and go, Hey, you didn't. Just keep going. They're right there past that big cloud of smoke and debris and whatever. No, they have to go all the way back to Unicron on the other side of the galaxy in order to know what they did wrong. Well, it doesn't seem like it's that far. It only seems to take about a day to get to uh, Cybertron from Earth and vice versa. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Because in the show, it took them probably about a thousand years in order to get to Earth. It's warp speed. They got warp speed in the last 20 years. Oh, yeah. Cup and Hot Rod have mm-hmm. landed on a planet of some kind. Well, no shit. And they've landed in this big pool of water, and there's robot fish. Yes, robot piranha fish. Eating other robot giant fish. A giant robot squid. Yeah, which there's... It's trippy, a... man. I'm tripping balls watching this movie. There's a space there's robo a robot ecosystem, mind. implying space robot evolution, which I don't want to think about. It's crazy. And uh, yeah, we got another song while this is going on. I don't understand how robots have come to imitate Earth life forms. Yeah, it doesn't why make sense. this is happening. I don't um, get it. I, I meant to point this out earlier, but uh, Hot Rod transforms differently almost every single time he transforms. See, so, yeah, I didn't notice that. I just you know, when go he's with r- it. When he's running with Daniel and he gets up on the platform and then here when they're underwater and everything, he transforms differently like every time. Huh. I have to check that out again. So Ultra Magnus crash lands on a planet full of junk, but, the planet of junk. Yeah, but the junk capital of the universe. But did he have to crash land? Why couldn't he just have landed? That it didn't, it wasn't damaged, was it? Yeah, they performed the emergency separation specifically so that it would not be damaged. Yeah, and then they they crashed. said something about needing some repairs, but it didn't seem like they had to crash land the ship because yeah. they crash. And they go skidding for a long time. It's like you could have just landed and not destroyed your ship. They have another exosuit for the kid. Yeah, it was Spike's exosuit, which he's seen wearing, so it can be assumed that this was Spike's exosuit from when he was a kid. But how long has it been sitting around, and why would he need an exosuit when he was a kid in the 80s? And we saw him as a kid in the 80s, and guess what he never wore? Fits him just fine, though, even though it should be way too big for him. And then we have some evil-looking robots appear and another strange fade-out. I don't get these transitions. They seem to be made for commercial breaks, which I'm sure they were later on when they showed the movie on TV, Yeah, but you don't need them in the theater. Cut back to Cup and Hot Rod. They're going along trying to find the Dinobots and get off the planet. They're greeted by the Alicons, who uh, to this date have never received a toy, and they're giving them Energon goodies with the universal greeting of Ba-weep-grana-weep-ninny-bong which they seem to recognize and understand because it's universal of course and so they're giving them Energon goodies and it's hey they'll reciprocate but then once they run out of Energon goodies the Alicons become hostile yeah they get mauled like D. Reynolds at the petting zoo (laughs) and so they're taken to the Quintesson court they're in a cell waiting to be judged they get thrown in jail by the Quintessons Kranek shows back up from the beginning of the movie he gives us a little bit of exposition talking about Unicron. In the original script of the movie, the Quintessons only went for people who survived attacks of Unicron. Well, that's interesting. wonder why they didn't go with that. It just seems very random. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to have these kangaroo courts for you. He gets taken out of his cell and fed to the Sharktacons after a show trial, and we have another fade-out for commercials. There's a lot of them for no reason. And the Dinobots are looking for Hot Rod and Cup and bicker amongst themselves until I... Wheelie, an annoying robot who speaks in rhymes, shows up. Why is this scene here? Why does he speak in rhyme and how did he get there? It seems like a very unnecessary kind of thing. I guess it's just to introduce Wheelie. Wheelie as a character is only there to sell toys. He yeah, has, well he, they're all there to sell toys. Well, yeah, but I mean some of them actually serve some story purpose. Wheelie basically throughout the show is just used as a distraction. Yeah. And then we fade to black. Again. So back at Unicron, Galvatron tells Unicron that Ultra Magnus is dead. Unicron says, no, he's on the Junk planet. Go get him. Galvatron heads out to go get Ultra Magnus again. It seems like a filler scene. It's like, again, here, he's coming back again. No, I killed him. No, you didn't. Go back. Shoo away from me. They really could have had Unicron be able to just telepathically communicate with him and could have skipped a lot of this. Galvatron and co. show up. They're attacking the Autobots on the planet of Junk. Everyone's, you know, running around doing whatever. One of the Decepticons threatening Daniel is an Insecticon, but they were all destroyed and turned well, into I mean, sweeps or something. It doesn't make sense, but the Insecticons are supposed to be like an army. They're, they're supposed to be, you know, thousands of each kind. But Megatron, I always thought there were just like three of them. Yeah, no, Megatron only brought three of them to the battle. Uh, they um, must have got some more from somewhere. Daniel's freaking out, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And Blur tells him, Transform. Daniel is obviously, well, how the hell do I do that? And, you know, just kind of miraculously, he does it, which he shouldn't. His exosuit transforms into a little car, which is kind of silly. It's starting to get silly, and that's really saying something in this movie. Yeah. Galvatron has cornered Ultra Magnus. He's kind of, oh, crap. Well, this is clearly our darkest hour. So he whips out the Matrix and starts trying to open it. Excuse me while I whip this out. (laughs) More cursing. He says, open, damn it, open. It's like, ooh. Yeah. And we were kids, of like, oh, snap, one of them cussed. You see, he's trying to open the Matrix, and it won't. And so Ultra Magnus gets blown to bits. It's the death of a character they just introduced. He was originally supposed to be drawn and quartered. Oh, There's a shot of the sweeps attacking. There's one shot where they have solid laser beams instead of, like, shots, and those were supposed to latch on to Ultra Magnus-like ropes and pull him and tear him limb from limb. Yeah, no, but... But instead, they thought that was maybe a little too violent, so they just blowed him up real good. Yeah, no, the opening scene with the whole shuttle, that wasn't too violent, but, you know, a guy getting his arms pulled off, you know, that's too much. Yeah, ripping somebody to shreds. But, uh, you know, he's one of the new guys. I'm sure he'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So Galvatron gets the Matrix... And now he decides that he has the Matrix, and he wants to use it against Unicron, which pisses Unicron off. And he bellows. Galvatron gets the Matrix. He's, ah, yes, I have this now. Unicron, I'm coming for you. And Unicron just kind of, ah, you know. it's it's He bellows, the light comes out of his mouth or whatever, and then the scene is over. So then back on wherever the planet is with the Quintessons, Kranix is killed, and then Cup and Hot Rod are on trial. And we've seen this before where the, they'll say, is the verdict guilty or innocent? And they keep saying innocent and then they get dropped into the tank anyway. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious what they would do if the verdict was guilty because we've already seen the innocent joke. The joke is, oh, you're innocent. We're still dropping you to the sharks. Yeah. So why didn't they do one where they're guilty and when, then drop them to the sharks and then you can make the joke that it's the same thing. Yeah. But Well, I mean. It's like you've already done it a couple times. The surprise time is-, is worn off. Yeah, I forget, I forget what he's called. But anyways, he says, would you like to plead for your life? It sometimes helps, but not often. So, I mean, there's clearly an outcome where they do live. It's just never shown what it is. Well, I'm just saying the surprise of them being killed, even though they're declared innocent, has already been done. Yeah. So maybe they should have tried yeah. something else. So then there's the Shark Decons in the pit, which are different from the Alicons. Maybe we get another song as Hot Rod and Cup fight them. They do a whole demolition derby wherein they spin in a circle. They cause a whirlpool, which somehow yeah. has enough momentum to sling them out of the tank. Um, and then the Dinobots show up. Grimlock just about instantly intimidates the Sharkticons into attacking the Quintessons yeah. for reasons. And so the Quintessons run away being chased by the Sharktacons, and it's kind of just left for us to assume that they're dead. But then they come back in the show, so what happened there with the Sharktacons? It doesn't matter. We gotta move on. The other Autobots are now being attacked by robots. One of them's got like a... Fu Manchu-looking facial hair, and I'm like, how does a robot have facial hair? and uh, well, they're on the planet of junk, you know? the are so It's probably junk. But it looks like hair. Did it, it wouldn't be metal. I, I don't know. We got um, another song going on. Dare to be Stupid by Weird Al. Talk about the music for just a second. The actual score is fine. It's by Vince DiCola. He did the music for Rocky IV the year earlier, in 1985. It seems to me, though, that there are way too many pop songs. I mean, it was advertised as being the rock and roll adventure of a lifetime, so... I, I guess, but Music was a big part of it. There's only a couple that really seem to fit, though. It seems like a lot of the others are just kind of shoehorned in. Like, the lyrics aren't going along with anything that's happening. They were there to pad. They um, probably really should have just left it a couple songs. Maybe The Attack on the Autobot Shuttle, that's a pretty good song. They should have left that in there. You, know, you, the, you the, gotta the have touch. the touch, just because that's the big one, but... I can maybe see Dare. That kind of fits. They probably should have left it at just a couple and yeah. just used score for the rest of the movie. Yeah. I think it would have been just fine. My question about the Junkions attacking them is why? They have nothing to... What did they get out of that? They're not hey, working for anyone. They're, they're in our house, man. You're on our turf. Well, I mean, it's an entire planet. I don't see what the problem You're is on with our them being there. The whole planet is our turf. It's weird because they're saying, hey, these guys seem indestructible and they're everywhere and suddenly at the one... Main guy gets beat up. And all the others stop. There's, like, nobody around to be found, and it's dead quiet after that happens. What what happened to everybody else? Well, hey, their leader got beat up. It's just like the Decepticons. But then in the next shot, when the ship arrives, there are dozens of them standing around again. Hot Rod uses the universal greeting, and it goes swimmingly with these guys. Uh, uh, They start dancing like they can actually hear Weird Al. The Junkions talk TV. How are they picking up an American TV signal in space? I don't know, but Cup speaks from TV, too, so it's not like it couldn't have been learned somewhere else Um, and brought. See? It's okay. You saw it on the television. Hot Rod originally did, too, but that was Cup for some reason. Oh, I didn't know that. But when they do it, they're literally just saying, hey, don't touch that dial, you know, like random TV stuff. The Junkions are actually, like, making references and stuff. And they also fix all for Magnus. Because he's a new guy, so I told you, he'd be fine. They kind of just put all the pieces there. Like, when your real Transformers breaks, you know, just kind of slap it back together, you'll know, be fine. Yeah, just insert the leg back into the slot. But, I mean, like, good. he got shot and blown he, up, shouldn't he? up. He blew up. Shouldn't he be a little bit more fried than that? Yeah, he's okay. We nah. gotta sell those toys. So then, they're asking people what's going on, and Rekgar says that Galvatron is at Unicron. How does he know that? <laughs> no idea. But they have their own ship, and they leave with the Autobots to go fight him. We're back at Unicron now, and Galvatron is trying to open the Matrix to control Unicron. But Galvatron, the Decepticon, trying to open the Autobot Matrix of Leadership, that's just kind of dumb. Why would he that it's like one of Harry Potter's wands? I took it from the guy, so now I can control it. But it doesn't work. He threatens him with the Matrix. And it doesn't work, so Unicron's pissed now. He transforms into a robot. A giant robot. It's really cool. He's a Transformer, too. And uh, threatens Cybertron, even though his lips don't move when he talks. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's a giant robot. He's probably got a voice box somewhere in there. Sure. He kind of just bitch-slaps Cybertron. He he doesn't break it up or nothing like he did with the first one. He just kind of slaps it. Yeah, the Decepticons are trying to defend Cybertron, and chaos ensues. Galvatron gets swallowed by Unicron, who then breathes green fire like Godzilla. Yeah. Which damages the Autobot ship, which crashes into his eye because I guess he didn't see it coming. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Unicron doesn't have optic sensors directly behind his eyes, um, like all the other Transformers are. They seem to be glass. Yeah, I think they're just kind of there for decoration, and he sees that, like, the god view that he has. Must be, I don't know. Everyone ends up kind of very conveniently inside of Unicron. And Um, we get a replay of an earlier song, because we paid the licensing fee for it, and you know what? We're going to get our money's worth. Severin ends up very conveniently inside of Unicron hot rod gets separated because instead of just falling past this wall of spikes like everyone else does he lands on them so everyone else is off doing their thing and hot rod goes off and he's going deeper inside of unicron that's what she said (laughs) (laughs) and he sees this light and it's oh hey the matrix and galvatron is there and he's wearing the matrix around a chain on his neck and he goes we're allies now we have a common foe you want to help me fight unicron and unicron goes Stop that. And he tortures he Galvatron again. Unicron's like, you're still my bitch, so you have to fight Hot Rod now. Unicron starts shooting lasers from oh, his good yes. eye. He has lasers and stops fire breath. He starts breathing fire, and now he's shooting lasers yeah, out he, of his eyes. He has eye. laser and fire breath. I, I don't know why he's not breathing fire anymore. Does he have to recharge? And then we're back with the other Autobots. Then inside, the Autobots cause a flood by shooting a hole in the ceiling. Yeah, which I... It, okay, maybe it could be coolant, but water? Water? It looks like water. Yeah, he, He's which, in space. Where did he get the water? I mean, like, all of the other liquids shown so far, except for on Earth, has been, like, yellow or green. So I... I don't know. This, this I, legitimately I, just looks I, like water. I don't know uh, what's up with it. I don't know. So then they get washed away, and they're down in Unicron's kind of organic stomach area. Yeah. Because, you know, all the metal and stuff earlier was just getting kind of mushed up and thrown into the thing. But here, there's all the other Autobots, a couple random robots, you know, Spike... And they're all kind of being conveyed onto this giant thing which drops them into a big tub of acid. Yeah, it's like Dip from Roger Rabbit. They're getting dropped in. Daniel, he sees his dad and Bumblebee, Jazz, Cliffjumper, and everyone up there. And he goes, okay, I've got to do something here. And Spike tells him, shoot the cover down. Like, shut the lid on the big acid thing. And so Spike is, alright, I gotta use the exosuit. And he just kind of punches in the thing punches on Punches in a arm. bunch of numbers like he knows how and starts shooting. And He would not know how to do that. He would not know what to put <laughs> in. He puts it in like a power glove. He just punches in the code, and then it's done. He shoots the lid, which falls down and saves them because they get dropped onto the lid instead. Everyone's alive. You know, well, clearly not everyone, but, you know, everyone from the moon bases is alive. Hot Rod transforms differently yet again. He's driving around, distracting Galvatron. It's not going well for him when he yeah. grabs the Matrix. It yeah. gets supercharged. He gets much larger, and Optimus Prime. Says, Arise, Rodimus Prime. He does these impersonations. I swear, you would think it was the real people. Typically, primes are appointed by like a council. You if can't you just say have... so. I have no idea. All yeah. I know is what I'm seeing on the movie. You can't really have the guy just go, Yeah, you're a prime now. You would think it would have happened the first time he touched the Matrix, because that's all he did was touch it this time. that too, because Galvatron has him in a chokehold, and so he just kind of grabs the thing around his neck and suddenly breaks away, and, boo, he's really big now. That's what she said! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he throws Galvatron through a wall and out into space as the touch starts playing again. And then he opens the Matrix. Twice. (laughs) Yeah. As it opens, the lightsaber ignition sound effect plays. Opening the Matrix explodes Unicron from the inside. The Autobots escape through Unicron's other eye. Yeah, they're really... Insult to injury. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. And so as Galvatron is going flying, in the show, it's revealed he lands in a pit of plasma and that fries his brain and makes him go insane. And changes his voice. Yeah, that too. (laughs) He was a threat in the movie because, you know, he's actually really powerful and menacing. In the show, he's just insane he just becomes a crazy bad guy Um, so it blows up unicron the autobots escape through his other eye his head is he blows up real good yeah his head blows off goes into orbit around cybertron yeah it's just kind of in stasis revealed in the show he's still alive and then rod declares an end of the war yeah Rodimus prime he's there talking all the other autobots and he goes let this mark the end of the cybertronian wars as we march forward to a new era of peace and happiness till all are one For at least a couple weeks, until the new season starts. And until the new season starts, and a couple other spin-offs, several other toy lines, you know. Yeah, so that brings us to the end of the movie. As the full version of Lions, the Transformers, starts playing again over the end credits. So, let's take it to the aftermath. Movie opened August 8th, 1986 was a box office failure. As I've said a couple times about this, it did not do well. Children were traumatized by the death of Optimus Prime, among others, and it was outgrossed by the My Little Pony movie, which had opened in June. The negative reception to Prime's death resulted in changes to the G.I. Joe movie, which was originally planning to kill off the character of Duke. That got rewritten so that he lives. The movie, G.I. Joe, didn't even get released theatrically. They played it on TV. It went straight to video. Mm-hmm because of the flops of My Little Pony and the Transformers. The death of Optimus Prime actually sparked a letter-writing campaign that everyone was getting on Hasbro for, like, why would you do that? And so Hasbro eventually brought Optimus Prime back at the end of Season 3, into Season 4, which was three episodes. The original show ended up wrapping up in November of 1987, Hasbro that year in 86 lost about 10 million dollars between My Little Pony and the Transformers in the movie theaters, which doesn't sound like a lot now, but add some inflation to that over the last 35 years and that's a pretty good chunk of change. Yeah, it's a it's a whole lot. So numerous spin-offs and series have been ongoing since then. Most younger people these days probably think of Transformers because of the Michael Bay movies, which are yeah, in the cartoons. You know, bad. I mean, some of the newer cartoons have been pretty good. The Netflix War for Cybertron trilogy was good. Prime, Robots in Disguise, those aren't really bad. There's some good stuff going on with it. Well, this is by far the highest-rated movie that we've done. This has a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb and a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. The reviews in 1986 were pretty bad, but nostalgia has kind of given it... Good modern ratings. A lot of the people that were kids at the time are writing reviews online now, I think, is what's boosting that a lot. Yeah, there's YouTube videos of people talking about it and talking about their experiences with it as children and saying, well, it was really, you know, scarring and messed up then, but, you know, it's, it's enjoyable now. Well, I mean, when you're older, you can handle that stuff. So what did you think of The Transformers, the movie? I like it. There's certainly a lot of flaws with it, but I think overall it is a pretty decent movie, and I enjoy it What would you say you would give it out of 10? Out of a 10, I'd say. I'm obviously a little biased here. I'd say probably a 7, 8 out of 10. I like it! All right. See, I'm looking at it and, like, while it's a little fancier than the TV show, it's willing to risk killing off a bunch of characters, but that's only in service of selling new toys. It's not in service of any kind of a story. So I'm looking at it very cynically, like, okay, I know why you're doing this. It's not because you think there's a real story here. They did want to change the story, but they went about it in a very bad way. They could have just had it set in the incredibly far future. Have it set in like the year 3000 and then just have new characters instead of just the old ones. And then have the old ones pop in for a bit and say, yeah, we're still here. You wouldn't have any of the new or the old characters that kids knew to get in the theater in the first place. Yeah. The story doesn't really develop any characters. Rodimus's rise to power doesn't feel earned. It's not at all. You know. I I gotta be honest there. Like I say, I I didn't see it when it came out. I never saw it in the theater. Saw a little bit of it on TV. It didn't really connect with me then. It's not really connecting with me now because I'm an old man. So, yeah, I might be in the minority, but I'm going to say it's like a three and a half out of ten. Garbage. Oh, I was not expecting that to be so low. It's just... That's kind of how I was. It's not uh, really my thing. That, Better than the new movies, though. <laughs> oh, much. With the new ones, I'd say the first one, solid six, seven out of ten. The second one, like five. The third one, like a five. We'll the, save those for another time. The rest are just one, two. They're just really bad after Don't that. Don't give ex- away all your ratings now. Except Bumblebee. Bumblebee's good. <laughs> Don't give away all your ratings now. All right, so. I don't know how often I'll be back doing this, but. Well, it depends on if we can get your dad off his butt and get him to quit screwing around. And maybe I can come back and do like a three way cool as ice. We might have to keep you tied up in the basement down here and threaten your life. Probably. That's (laughs) that's really the only way you're going to get him to do that, though. Yeah, it might be. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. All right, so that just about wraps everything up here. That was Transformers or sorry, The Transformers, the movie from 1986. Okay, faggot, What's next? What are we doing next? I have no idea. That's going to depend on that's going to depend yeah. on Thornton Mellon if we can get him to live up to his end of the bargain. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be cool as ice. We'll see how it goes. I'm not making any promises right now. This was enough of a struggle as it is. So, anyway, once again, this is G Money Clip, Thornton Mellon Jr., signing off kick back, go get some popcorn, watch some movies, and we'll catch you next time. Adios, nachos. See you later. You got the touch! You got the power!